and welcome to Labor Pains Podcast, brought to you by Women Connect and Support. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. This podcast is to help women and men that are experiencing infertility or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. We will share stories of others that struggled with infertility, our loss, and the grief to give you hope through their journeys, to give you hope for your journey. We will also have episodes with experts to help answer any questions and to give you resources to help you with your desire to have a family to love. Today's guest, Robin, endured a lot, three years of struggling to become pregnant. Adoption was always an option for her because her mother-in-law was adopted. So that was always a possibility, but she decided she was not taking no as an answer from the doctors. She said she would continue to fight as long as she could until God himself said no. Listen to her story. It's an amazing story and she will give you hope for your journey. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have my guest today, Robin, joining us. Welcome, Robin. Hi, thank you for having me. Sure, sure. We, of course, had a little technical difficulty about last time we tried to record, so we're going to do this again, and hopefully we won't have any trouble today with that. So as we start every, I start every recording or every podcast, um, I always ask my guests if they can think back or remember when they decided or knew that they wanted to have children. Can you recall that? Um, I think it was when I was born. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, just do always, huh? Yeah, I always wanted to be a mom. I carried a doll around with me from the time I was able to walk, and I was always their mommy. It just continued. I um, started babysitting when I was 12 years old and just continued on up. Yeah, that's awesome. It is interesting when I, as I've talked to women, some are like that. I mean, I think I was like that. I always wanted to be a mom. But then there are other people who are like, no, I never wanted to have children until I met this guy. And then, you know, but, um, yeah, I'm like you. I've, I've always wanted to be a mom and still to this day enjoy being a mom. Um, so tell us about that. So what happened with you? I know you are married and your husband's saying is not. So tell us a little bit about how that all started. Well, apparently, um, our families have known each other since before we were born, mm. um, but we somehow didn't know each other, and apparently that was probably God's plan, because if we would have known each other, we probably just would have been friends and not fallen in love, um, or probably hate each other, <laughs> something <laughs> like that, um, but um, we didn't end up meeting until our sophomore year of high school um and he was in love with my best friend <laughs> that's and similar that's similar to my re- relationship with my husband could go ahead 
(laughs) (laughs) And she didn't like him. She liked his brother, and she didn't want anything to do with him. And I kept saying, well, he's a nice guy. You should give him a chance. And she said, no, I just don't like him. And I said, okay, well, you know, to each their own. And we just kind of left it alone. And Mm -hmm. Well, after she introduced him to me one night and said, you know, this is the guy that likes me, he would go out of his way to say hi to me in the hallway and stuff. And I told our other friend, I said, he's such a nice guy. I don't know why she won't give him a chance, you know. And and nothing big. I just thought, you know, he's nice. I don't know mm-hmm. what, yeah. what the deal is. And... um then the semester changed, and we ended up having lunch together. And the first day of lunch, he sat down next to me, and I was like, oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there on out, he sat down next to me every day. And two weeks later, he asked me to be his girlfriend. And almost 26 years later, here we are. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's cool. So that was in high school? Yeah, sophomore year. Wow. Yeah. So you guys have known each other a very, very long time. So when did you decide to get married then and have children? Well, we dated throughout high school and then throughout college, we decided that we weren't going to get married until we were finished with college because we we knew we would uh, finish college if we stayed at home and not get married. So we... Okay. Um, we didn't. We actually got married the week after he graduated um, from college. Oh, okay. I graduated the semester before, and he graduated literally the Saturday before. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad that he was able to graduate and focus with all of the wedding plans and all of that. But I'm sure you took most of that on. So. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, he just yeah. had to show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then what was the plan after that? You got both graduated. I assume had some sort of job, maybe, maybe not him. Career kind of going and... Well, not um, careers, but just the jobs that we had while we were in college, you know. Okay, okay. So did you decide then to wait just a little longer for the children because you always wanted them, you know? Yeah, we had um, actually not even talked about starting a family right away because we wanted to get our careers going and make sure that we were financially stable and stuff. Um, We had just bought a house and we were remodeling it and all of that. So we were just kind of going with the flow at that time. And a year later, um, he said that he was ready to start a family. So that's what we did. Awesome. Okay. Good deal. All right. So how did that process, did you know, um, I, I, when, as I talk to people, um, and I've, and I've had other people on the podcast, like some of them know ahead of time that they're going to have struggles and then some have no idea, but struggle terribly bad with infertility. Did you have any indication if you were, you know, were your cycles regular? Did you have any indication that you might um, have struggles? Honestly, I had no indication that I would have struggles. Um, I come from two very large families, 
And Mm -hmm. I just assumed that it would be as easy for me as it was for both sides of my families. Okay. Um, I knew going into it what everyone says, you know, once you stop taking birth control, it could take six months to a year to get pregnant for your body Mm -hmm. to regulate again. So that was the expectation that we had. Um, When we started approaching that year mark, nine months, year mark, we're like, What's going on? Why are we not getting pregnant? Yeah. And even my um, my OBGYN was like, let's do some testing and find out what, you know, what the deal is, why things aren't moving along. And he found out that I was hypothyroidism, that I had hypothyroidism. Okay. And he's like, well, that could be causing you issues because if your numbers aren't correct, then it can cause you some problems with getting pregnant. So I was like, okay. And so once I got that under control, I thought, oh, well, now it's going to be a breeze. No problem. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't a breeze. So oh. then he was like, well, let's start you on Clomid. Mm. And I was like, okay. He's like, but you have to be prepared. You know, it could cause you multiple births. And I'm like, okay, well... If that's what it takes, you know, and we were like, oh, no, twins, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I don't know at that time if you knew anything else about Clomid. I mean, just from if if the listeners that are listening today have listened to some of my previous episodes, there's some bad side effects to Clomid besides multiples, but it's used a lot. I mean, it's not, I don't want to say don't use that drug. Um, it's used a lot, but everyone reacts differently to Clomid besides possible multiple births. So did you know ahead of time that you might have, besides multiple births, were there anything no, else that I you were not. told? Okay. Mm-hmm. That was what I was told, and I'm like, oh, okay, well. Okay, that's easy enough. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Oh, my word, you're right. There's some negative side effects. <laughs> Yeah, so what happened? Well, the first side effect I had was I thought that I had a furnace inside of my body. I Mm. was so hot that I could not, like, I managed to keep clothes on at work, but the second I walked in the door, like, (laughs) it was like clothes were flying everywhere. Oh, my goodness. I was so hot I would like flop on the floor underneath the ceiling fan and just like start fanning myself I was so hot it was like an internal flame it was so mm. hot because I guess of all the hormones that are yeah in it. it was just yeah. so ridiculous and poor Matt he would come home from work and he was like what are you doing I'm like I'm hot don't talk to me <laughs> <laughs> But you're supposed to be trying to have children. Right. You know, you're supposed to like your spouse. And, you know, he's just looking at me like, okay. And I'm just like glaring at him like, go away. (laughs) Oh, wow. But then the first month of taking the medication, I gained 40 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, not only was I sweating to death, I blew up like a blimp. Wow. It was a lot of weight. 
Yeah, and then you, like, like you said, you're supposed to be intimate. You're supposed to be trying for a baby, and then you hate your body. So it's like you don't want anybody to see you without your clothes on. Yeah. You don't even want to see yourself in the shower. So (laughs) it was like a double-edged sword. So you had a lot of side effects, I guess, from Clomid. Yeah, it was not my favorite medication at all. (laughs) So even though all of those things were happening, was there success with taking that medication? Did you become pregnant? No. Mm. I took Clomid for 19 months. Holy cow, I hope the symptoms, obviously the symptoms weren't, especially the weight gain, that bad. No, thankfully it was just that one month that I gained the weight, but it never went away. I think it's still here. Oh. (laughs) Years later, 13 Uh years later, I think it's still here. Yeah. Um, So 19 months. Yeah, it never did anything. Um, And the doctor just kind of was like, hmm. He kind of just left us there, you know. He, he wow. just expected it to work. Like, well, that was my magic potion, and if it didn't work, I don't know what to tell you. So, well, that's a long time. Yeah, and I heard after that that, like, they're not supposed to let you stay on it that long. Wow, yeah, that seems like a, a very, very long time that he didn't, the doctor didn't switch something up. But like you said, maybe he just didn't. He didn't know. That was the only thing that he knew. And so you can't fault him for that. It's just what he knew. I kind of so, wish he would have, like, referred us on yeah. or, you know, something. Yeah, for sure. He did do testing on Matt, and he's like, well, your your numbers are low, but they weren't, like, ridiculously low. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like, well, we could try to up your numbers, so why don't you go see my urologist friend? So he went and saw his friend, and his friend gave him some testosterone cream. Mm. Well, if you take too much testosterone, your body shuts down the production of sperm. Oh, no. And whenever he went back for a number count, his numbers were complete zero. Oh, and no. So then, like, a couple of months, there was nothing. And so then they told us that they didn't even know if it would come back because oh, they had gosh. given him too much testosterone. Wow. But clearly, my advice is if you're having infertility issues, don't go to regular OBGYNs. You have no idea what they're talking about in this situation. Right. And I would say, you know, just from your experience, like don't stay there very long. Right. I mean, <laughs> let them try, you know, um, Clomid, because a lot of OBs will do that. But if it's not working, you know, within a few months, yes. then it's time to move on <laughs> to something. Absolutely. To someone else that has more um more expertise, more knowledge. 100%. Yeah, okay. Good advice, really good advice. And so So, then what happened? Because now Matt's, you know, sperm count is is gone or... Completely. And and so did they determine that that's why you weren't getting pregnant? Because of 
of Matt sperm count? Or well, there that was only with... for a couple months of the okay. situation. Okay. And he said, okay. on Valentine's Day of 2006, my OB told us that um, he's like, your only chance of getting pregnant at this point is to um, consider sperm donation or to um, adopt. Mm. Well, that was absolutely devastating, especially yeah. considering we were following his advice all along. Yeah, and to know, I think even with me, this is what's going through my head, is how does that happen when you already indicated that you come from two large families? Like, how how does that happen? Yeah, my mom was one of seven and my dad was one of 11. Yeah. So, yeah. I was really stunned at that, so. Okay, yeah. So needless to say, we left very devastated that night, and Mm -hmm. it was a very long, quiet drive home from the doctor that evening. Mm -hmm. But I am um, a fixer, and I can only be devastated for a very short amount of time, and then I'm going to fix the situation. I'm going to find an alternate alternate solution. So the next day I got up determined to figure out a different answer. I was not going to settle for that answer. Such a fighter. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not taking no for an answer here. pretty much all I am. (laughs) Good. Good. I love it. (laughs) Until God himself says no, I'm not going to take it. (laughs) There you go. I'm in agreement with that. So first of all, the very first thing I did the next day was I wrote a letter to the company of um, the gel that Matt had to use that was the Mm -hmm. testosterone cream that they needed to put some kind of a warning in the, you know, in the labeling that this could potentially happen. Mm -hmm. And to this day, there is a warning now. I I got a response back for that. Good. Good. And there is a warning now that this could happen. And even on their commercials, it's stated in the, you know, how it, you know, at the bottom, it says this could cause cancer, yada, yada, yada. Sure. All the side effects. It also says that on the commercials now. (laughs) And I'm like, well, at least I feel like I'm saving someone else from the heartache that we went through. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. No, that's, that's great that you did that because a lot of people wouldn't do that. They just let it go. So that's and good. Then, um, I knew that my cousin and his wife had saw um, a reproductive endocrinologist. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I reached out to his wife and I said, you know, if you're comfortable talking about this, I would like to know who your doctor was and you know, what help you got and any information you could give me. Mm -hmm. She was very willing to give me her information and who she saw and and everything. And by that afternoon, I had already had a doctor's appointment scheduled to meet with him. Wow. And and that's huge. I want to kind of just reiterate that here on the podcast is if you know someone that's struggling and that's a big reason for the podcast reach out you know connect with someone get that support 
someone that's gone through something similar, at least, um, that can support you and help you. So that was great that they were willing to share information. And I think that is how it is with most women. We just got to find that person to help us. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, this was uh, 14, 15 years ago. Yeah. Nobody talked about it. There was a lot of talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) And no social media. (laughs) Right. So I just sent her an email and, you know, thankfully I know her well enough that she was willing to give me that information for us to be able to get in contact with the doctor. Awesome. Awesome. Good. So how long then did you have to wait for your appointment? Because most of the time they're pretty busy. Um. You know, it wasn't that long. Wasn't it too was long. Like good. a month or two, which was good because it yeah. gave Matt's body some time to recover from all that testosterone. Um, it didn't recover completely, but it was helping. Um, okay. And when we got to them, um, there was some recovery and um, that I don't feel that it was enough. Um, he did three IUIs on us, mm. um, and I feel like it was almost just a waste because there wasn't enough recovery, like I said. Um, mm-hmm. And so then he decided to um, to do IVF. Okay. Well, his office was at Mercy, and of course, since it's a Catholic hospital, IVF is a no-no. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but he did IVF down the street um, at a at a clinic down the street or an office down the street. I can't say clinic, but okay. a production yeah. clinic, you know, office down office. the street. Uh-huh. Um, and so we went down there where he had um, an office with another doctor and a whole team and embryologists and, you know, it was a whole setup and, um, the only time we ever saw him was for the actual egg retrieval and the implant, or not implantation, but the, uh, oh, it's been so long, I'm losing my verbiage. Because <laughs> um, implantation is whenever it actually takes place. But uh, Yeah, so just the embryo insertion or yeah, like, there is a word go. for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it's insertion. <laughs> If that's the right word either, but there is, I, I'm with you. I'm like, what is that word? We all just, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're in kind of a slow mode this time of year, you know, we're all kind of shut down a little bit, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that part of the procedure. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's the only two times that I saw him. Um, there was another doctor that managed my medications. He did all of my examinations to check on the size okay. of my follicles. He did everything else. Mm-hmm. And I got very comfortable with him, and I felt that he was, he cared more about the actual process than this other doctor who I only saw for the two procedures. Okay. Mm-hmm. And after two failed IVFs, he just kind of looked at us and threw his hands up like, I don't know what else to do for you. Well, at least he was honest, you know, and didn't go 19 months. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, I yeah. agree. I yeah, but still hard. Yeah, but he just kind of looked at us like, 
didn't offer, well, let's change this medication. Because okay. the second one was better than the first one. And, like, the we got a, a chemical pregnancy on the second one. So my body was responding better. Good. You know, okay. and so he, it wasn't like, well, maybe if we change this, this could happen. Or, you know, there was no, it was just, well, we could do a third one, but I'll just do the same thing that ha- that we did on the second one. And I'm okay. like. You know, I had a knee surgeon tell me years ago that the definition of stupidity is doing the same thing mm. over and over again and expecting a different result. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I just looked at him and I said, uh, we'll think about it. And I walked out. <laughs> well, you knew. You knew you needed to go probably then somewhere else. Well, I didn't. I just went to my nurse who had been, you know, she's the one who would give me my calendar of when I needed to take my medication and all okay. of that. And I said, and Dr. Allering, do my next one? Because <laughs> he, you know, he was the one I had been seeing the whole time. Sure, sure. And okay. she's like, he would love to. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. <laughs> oh, good, good. Okay. And he's like, we're going to do this and this. And he had this whole game plan change (laughs) Mm. and they started Matt on supplements that um, were going to increase their natural supplements but they increased a man's fertility count and all kinds of stuff good good and that cycle was a thousand times better it didn't produce a pregnancy but the results were just like night and day and I'm like, okay. okay, see, this is this is the right direction. <laughs> good, good. Well, and I think we, as women and, and even men, we need we know our bodies, so we know what we we need. I mean, deep down, I think we know a lot, and we have to push to get the results. And it's good that you have the personality that you have. Like, I'm not taking no for an answer. You know, we indicated that earlier. Like, there's, there, we're going to resolve this. So good. I'm glad that you, you did that. So, so one cycle it was better, but no pregnancy. So keep telling us about what happened next. Well, we had come to the point where our insurance would only help us with one more idea. Mm. And so mentally we had put ourselves in, even though I have this, personality if I won't take no for an answer I'm also a realist and I'm not going to put us in a financial situation that we're never going to get out of because sure had we had a pregnancy I didn't want our children to be starving (laughs) because we had to get pregnant (laughs) yeah right so and I also understand that not everything is God's plan so if it wasn't his plan for us to have children then he had a different plan for us So, Mm -hmm. and, you know, my mother-in-law was adopted, so that wasn't off the table for us. So if having our own children isn't how we were supposed to have children, then adoption was still there. Okay. So we got to this fourth one, and we had already conditioned ourselves that if this wasn't going to be our plan, then okay. So Matt was already considering buying a sports car convertible, you know. Okay. 
I had put it in my head that, you know, maybe I'm just going to go back to school and get my master's degree and advance in my career. And, you know, we had kind of written it off the table that, that this is what was going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we go into this fourth one with the idea that this isn't going to work and this isn't how it's going to be for us. And uh, so we, I hate to say gave up, but just kind of lowered our expectations. Sure, sure. And I totally uh, understandable that you did. I mean, yeah, kind of, we kind of put the guard up around our heart because of how much we had been through and just, right. you know, had to kind of prepare ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, Dr. Allering, he put our medication, you know, adjusted my medication schedule and made some tweaks and I was having a good reaction to the cycle and then all of a sudden right before it was time for egg retrieval I get a massive cyst on my right ovary Mm. that was keeping some of the follicles from growing appropriately and so he had to go in and do surgery to remove the cyst and we're just like (laughs) oh my gosh what next like (laughs) So we're just like, oh, whatever. Let's just get this done, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So finally we go in and it's time and we had two really good looking blastocysts on day five. And um, we had two that were, eh, they're okay. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, I'm going to put these two in. And, um, And it's called a trance. It just came to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Transfer. And, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to transfer these two, and then we have these other two. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and we both looked at Matt, and we all just started laughing. We're like, Oh, just put them all four, and we know our luck, you know. Because mm. we had, uh, you know, not had any success with any of the ones that we right. had before, and. Increase your odds here, right? Right. I mean, one of them's got to at least try to do something, you know. We had even sent them off in a previous cycle to Las Vegas and had genetic testing on them to find out which ones would take. And and those didn't even take. And, (laughs) you know, we were just like throwing in. We were all in on this one, you know. Yeah. So how many months, years was it that you guys had been trying at this point? Because this is, this is the last try. Um, this was like over three years at this Three point. years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. This was, um, my transfer date was September 28th of 07. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this was over three years at point okay Mm, or right at three years right at three years okay so um we went ahead and did the transfer and he's like you know go home rest don't get off the couch at all (laughs) yeah let it try to implant you know I did what he said but I wasn't as careful as I had been in the past I mean in the past I didn't move I 
you know, laid flat all weekend until my blood worked and everything, trying to make mm-hmm. sure everything took, but I was just like, eh, whatever, I'm going to cook dinner. You know? I mean, we really were just like <laughs> throwing our hands up in the air. You know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Yeah. Okay. And then I went for my blood work actually on a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And um, when I came back and then we waited for the the call, I wouldn't even answer the phone because maybe it was a Monday. Oh, yeah, it was a Monday because Matt had actually taken the day off with me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I had gotten tired of being at work and getting the negative news by myself. <laughs> I'm like, Totally understandable. Yeah, I'm like, I can't. I didn't have a very understanding boss at the time, and he just thought that I was just supposed to put on my happy face and, you know, pretend like everything was A-OK. So I was like, I'm taking the day off. I deserve it. (laughs) Yeah, you did. You did deserve it. So Matt stayed home with me, and I refused to even answer the phone, even though I was so comfortable with Connie. I just couldn't take any more of the news. I'm I'm a relatively strong person, but at that point, I was just like, you handle it, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he answered the phone, and he said, okay. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Bye. And I'm like, what was that? <laughs> so then I was regretting letting him answer the phone, <laughs> killing me. You know wanted what, to ask more questions. <laughs> yeah, what was that about? <laughs> so he looks at me and he's like, well, you're pregnant. And I'm like, nah. And he's like, yeah, you are. And I thought he was joking, you know, because he likes to tease. Uh-huh. And I'm like, this isn't something to joke about. And he's like, no, seriously, your numbers are like 104. And your numbers have to be above a five to be pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, seriously, be honest with me. He's like, seriously, Connie just said your number was 104. And there's more than one in there by that number. <laughs> so he was probably in shock. That's why yeah, he up. was. That's why he was just saying it like that. And I just like stood there and looked at him like with my eyeballs bugging out of my head. Yeah. And he's like, she said you have to have more blood work in two days to find out if they triple. Oh. And I just looked at him like, and there was a like, complete silence, which mm. seemed like three years, but I'm sure it was like only like three minutes. But it was like forever. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, we can't like not call our parents because they know we're waiting on our results. Right. So we have to call them, but they're not going to believe us. <laughs> and so when we call them, it's a wonder everyone in the by state area didn't hear the screaming from everywhere. Because they were so excited, and I'm like, but you can't tell anyone because we don't even know what it's going to do in two days. Yeah. So we were like, oh, no. (laughs) Wow. We had to swear them to secrecy. (laughs) Yeah. And so in two days, I went to work, 
and I had to wait all day for my blood work test to come in because the lab was so busy. Uh huh. So they didn't call me till like three forty-five. Uh huh. <laughs> so I waited. I got my blood work done at like six forty-five in the morning, and I did not hear anything till three forty-five. Mm. So nothing like sitting on pins and needles and <laughs> like staring at your cell phone all day long while you're trying to focus on your work. Mm-hmm. And when my cell phone rang, I hurried up and I ran out the back door at work. And whenever Connie called, she's like, well, and I was like, my heart sank when she said that. Uh-huh. And she's like, there's for sure more than one in there. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, your numbers are 545 today. And I said, what does that mean? She's like, there's two, possibly three in there. And I said, (laughs) are you kidding me? And I just started like uncontrollably laughing. I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then I couldn't stop grinning. So I walked back in and everybody's like, what are you grinning for? And I'm like, I don't know. They're like, why are you grinning? And they all kept following me to my desk. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> oh, how <laughs> exciting. Was, it was so exciting, but you don't want to tell people that early. No, no. But because I had missed work to go have the procedure, they all knew what was they going knew. on. They knew, yeah. And so they're like, well, what was that call about? Da, 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 you know. (laughs) Even our regional vice president was at my desk going, well, what was the call about? Tell me, tell me. I'm like, (laughs) I can't. (laughs) Oh, gosh. That's exciting. So finally, finally, finally. Yes. And then we had to wait three weeks to find out how many was in there. Yeah. Do you know how nerve-wracking that was? (laughs) I I can only imagine. I could only imagine how hard that was. And then, of course, when we walked in the doctor's office that day, he comes out in the lobby, and he's taking his shoes off, being goofy. And and we're like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, just getting my socks off there so we can count how many's in there. I'm like, you better stop. <laughs> yeah, because there's always possible. I mean, they're, you know, transferred four, but there's always still the possibility of them dividing. Right. So, yeah, that's funny. Matt yeah. <laughs> didn't think it was very funny. <laughs> I wouldn't divide her if I was him. It's like, oh my gosh, to go from so many months and years, and now you're finally pregnant. Yes. That's awesome. So you had to wait. I'm sure that was difficult. But after those three weeks, what did they tell you? How many were there? Well, we went in and um, they were teasing Matt, obviously. They just, uh-huh. they love messing with the men. You know, they know us women can handle it, but they love messing with the men. Uh-huh. Because they're like, do you need us to get you a helmet so when you fall out of the chair you won't hurt your head <laughs> and, you know, all this stuff. He's like, no, I'm okay. (laughs) 
Um, and we had talked throughout the three weeks. They're like, we're fine if there's two in there. We'll even be okay if there's three. But if there's more than three, what are we going to do? We're going to have to move in with one of our parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're going to have to move in with us. Something's going to have to give, you know. <laughs> wow. So they started counting, and they counted three sacks in there, and they found three little heartbeats in there. And oh, how exciting. It was exciting. exciting. It was terrifying and exciting at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So actually all four started to take. Oh, okay. But they the fourth one didn't um have a heartbeat, so Okay. Okay. But yeah, only three had a heartbeat, so Okay. Wow. So then were you considered I assume you were then considered high risk from the very, very beginning. Yes, at 10 weeks, I saw a high risk um, OB immediately. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So how was the pregnancy after that? Were you sick? Were, mm. Did the pregnancy go well? Tell I was horribly sick. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Bread made me sick. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I craved... Steak, Mexican, and um, pizza, but I couldn't eat any of it. (laughs) Did that last the whole pregnancy or just that first trimester? Uh, The whole pregnancy. Oh, yucko. That's bad. Yeah. Well, as long as the babies were getting what they needed. Yeah. And he was, um, my high-risk OB was telling me that I needed to gain weight because um, well, I had them early, but the whole time that I was pregnant, I only gained 18 pounds. Wow. And um, so my mother-in-law was bringing me ice cream daily and was mm. trying to shove ice cream in my face because he said <laughs> he didn't care if I ate ice cream daily as long as I ate. So, okay. <laughs> And actually, I could keep ice cream down. It's like it coated my stomach or something. It didn't make me feel as bad as everything okay. else did. Well, and that's what you needed to have. Right. Yeah. So besides that, the pregnancy was was okay then. Yeah. Were there any complications? Yeah, go ahead. Until um, everything was great until 24 weeks, they noticed that baby C, which is our baby boy, was um, smaller than the girls. Mm. But he was only like, uh, like four or five ounces smaller than the girls. He wasn't okay. like drastically smaller. So they decided mm-hmm. that they were going to start monitoring him and um, like more closely than I was going once a week, but uh-huh. they wanted me to come in uh, more often. So, or I'm sorry, I was going once every two weeks and they wanted me to come in once a week just to monitor his growth. And they said sure. that it's not unusual when you have a multiple pregnancy for one baby to be smaller. Sure. Yeah, um, I've heard that. And they said that I have a short torso. So they said that it was just kind of cramped in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so... um that was at 24 weeks, and then at, um, let's see, I'm going to make sure, 25 weeks. They told me at 24 weeks to make sure that every time I came to make sure I had a bag packed because 
at any time from that point forward that they could admit me. Okay. So regret of, you know, unfortunately I had my bag packed, but I knew it was a possibility and I didn't want to stay, but I knew that it was whatever was best for the babies. Right. But at 25 weeks, I got to go home. So I was super excited because he still looked good. Good. And um, at 10%, like it's a number that they measure him at. And at 10%, they would admit me. He was at 17% still. Okay. They were okay with that. 10%, he was at a dangerous level, whatever... um, whatever they were measuring. I don't okay. understand all of that part. Yeah. Of it it's something that they measure on the ultrasound. Okay. And he was at 17%. His fluid levels were good. His heartbeat levels were good. All of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the girls were still looking good as well. Okay. So, um, and that was at 20, okay, let's see. The girls at 25, you said. That was at 25 weeks. Mm-hmm. I went back at 26 weeks, and my weight, I gained like a pound. The doctor was happy with that, you know, all that. And he's like, as long as um, your fluid levels look good and he looks good, you can go home again for another week. Mm-hmm. At 20, this was at 26 weeks. And I was like, all right. And whenever he did the ultrasound, um he had the light off and it was Matt and myself and um, the doctor. And usually Matt wasn't able to come to the um, ultrasounds with me because he was saving his vacation time because they had already told us that the babies would have a long stay in the NICU with the yeah. triplets. So he was saving all that time so he could be there with them. And I was okay with him not going to all the ultrasound appointments because I could handle that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, But that one, he just so happened to go with me just because they said that they might admit me. Mm-hmm. And um, Dr. Bartelsmeyer scanned my stomach and within like a 10-second span, turned off the ultrasound, flipped on the light, and put his head in my lap. And when I turned and looked at Matt, Matt's face was as white as a sheet. And I just knew something was wrong. Yeah. And I looked at both of them, and Dr. Bartelsmeyer lifted up his head, and he had tears running down his face. Oh. And I I don't think I said anything. And Dr. Bartelsmeyer said, I am so sorry. He said, baby, he does not have a heartbeat. So sometime in that week, he passed. Mm. even though he looked good the week before. Yeah. Mm. And they immediately admitted me and did tons and tons and tons of scans on the girls to make sure they were okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they said, you're not going anywhere until the girls are born. And they thought that they wouldn't be born for like two more months. And they were born eight days later. Ooh. Well, I'm sure that was the hope to just keep them in there as long as they could. Correct. Um, but it turned out that whenever Jackson passed, that his, their, all three of their M, 
their placentas were anterior and whenever he started where when he passed his placenta pulled off my uterine wall and it started to pull Olivia's off so she Mm. started getting reverse flow in her cord and it made her very sick so so you said they were then it was eight days you were in the hospital before they I assume did an emergency C-section. Correct. Because at that point, like you they said, were only 27.4. And she was becoming very sick. Yes. She was only getting half the oxygen and half the nutrients from me oh. listening to her. So the possibility of losing her, I'm, I'm assuming, was very great. They actually said um, during the emergency C-section, my doctor wasn't there at the time. He was actually on vacation. Mm. So he scheduled his vacation based on my pregnancies, and he thought I was going to have them, like, the beginning of May. Uh And this was in March, so obviously he wasn't prepared for it. Um, But one of his associates delivered me. Um, He pulled down the C-section uh, drape, and he said, you had about 45 minutes before you lost her, oh. meaning Olivia, and we had hours before we lost Abigail. Wow. So that was definitely God's intervention there. Yeah, yeah. So being born so early, I assume there was a long, long uh, NICU stay for them. They were in for three months, yes. Yeah. So how did you handle the loss of Jackson, or did I, I would assume it was there and on your mind, but your focus, I assume, wasn't totally there, was probably on the girls? Well, whenever we lost Jackson, um, I asked Dr. Bottles-Meyer then, because like I said, he told us that his hopes was that we would be there for two months before the girls would be born. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, you know, what's going to happen to Jackson in this two months? Mm. And he told me, um, I, and I'm one of these give it to me straight type of people. I don't mm-hmm. want anything sugar-coated because um, I don't like surprises. So I asked him, what it would be like. And he said, well, your body will, can't obviously reabsorb him because he has bones and, you know, he's formed. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but unfortunately, um, if you go the two months, like we hope you will, he will mummify. Mm. And, He's like, so he won't look like baby that you see on the monitors now. Okay. He's like, so he will, he was off to my left side, um, up kind of underneath, not underneath my rib cage, but over on that side. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he will shrink up underneath there and, and mummify. He's like, so it won't be something that you'll want to see when the girls are delivered. 
Okay. So that was the image that was in Matt and I's head, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. And it was something I asked for. So it, it's not something yeah. I'm blaming on Dr. Bartelsmeyer. It was what I wanted to know. Sure, and obviously sure. the girls came much sooner than than we all had planned. So when the girls were born so unexpectedly, that was there. Mm-hmm. And he also had told us, he came and he stayed in our room for probably an hour that night just talking to us. And, and he reiterated many, many times to us that unfortunately there was nothing we could do for Jackson anymore, that my focus needed to be on the girls because any stress, anything like that, that I felt the girls would feel. Mm. And I already was fighting, uh, hypertension, high blood pressure, and was teetering on the verge of um, preeclampsia. Mm. And he was really worried about that factor. So he's like, I am not, you know, a hard human. He's like, I, I feel what, you know, you've been through. He's like, but I need you also to focus as much positive energy as you can on the girls so they stay healthy, which I totally understood where he was coming from, you know? Yeah. So So at that point it was, it was there, you needed to focus there so that you weren't grieving the one Jackson, losing Jackson, that you had to focus on all positive on the girls. Right. Grief, grief had to be put on hold for you. Right. Okay. And I as a I went into that even though I wasn't quote unquote a mom yet, I went to that motherly instinct and went into that I gotta do whatever I can for my child mm-hmm. stage, you know, and if that meant helping them, I was gonna do whatever I could. Yeah. And um so we kind of had to put that in pause at the moment right. and focus on them. Right. And um, so and whenever... Eight days later, eight days later when they were delivered, how was that? How did... When he was delivered? Um, was the focus still heavily on the girls, I assume? As a mom, that's probably what I would think, but... Yes, it was. Um, I was not allowed out of the um, out of the position of laying flat on my back for 24 hours because it was an emergency C-section. Okay. Um, and uh, Matt was allowed in the NICU with the girls, um, but I I couldn't like I said I wasn't allowed out of bed for 24 hours, so I couldn't even go see the girls. They let me see him briefly as they wheeled me to my room, but that was it. Um, and then um, they did have a the chaplain bless Jackson, mm-hmm. and because um, they asked us if we would like that, and we did. Um, my mom, my mother-in-law, and my aunt 
and my dad were all there, and they were there with Jackson while he was blessed. Okay. But Matt stayed with the girls. Sure, sure. Um, they would have brought Jackson to me had I asked, but again, we had that vision in our head, and unfortunately, in the chaos of what was going on, it we didn't think, oh, wait, it's only been eight days. Yeah, sure. Totally understandable. Twelve years later, we regret that, but unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that. Right. Yeah. Thankfully, the hospital took pictures and things like that for us. Yes. Oh, good. Good. Uh, most uh, everyone that I have talked to, that is the most um, meaningful thing is to have those pictures, um, those memories of their child. Those are very important. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that we have like the blankets he was wrapped in, and we have his little gown and the oh. little teddy bear that they took pictures with him in, and all that stuff. So yeah, that's all special and and locked away. That it's in a fire safe box, so it's safe. Yeah. So. And do you still do things? I know <clears throat> just from knowing you that it was a long, long haul with the girls in the NICU, and and um. But what do you do now or have been doing for 12 years, did you say, to remember Jackson? Oh, well, there's a a uh, statue that's, or a little figurine that's on our mantle that is a baby in uh, the hands of what's supposed to be the hands of God that sits on our mantle that mm-hmm. doesn't go anywhere that's in memory of Jackson. And the girls even call it, oh, here's baby Jackson. Um, every birthday that is the girls for the girls um, there's always one dark blue balloon no matter what the theme is for their birthday there's always one dark blue balloon and one dark blue um, cupcake always Mm -hmm. Um, and nobody eats it it's his Um, and there's just always little stuff like um, our wonderful photographer she um took a picture with a shadow um, of a boy with all three of our kids. That way we have all four of our kids mm. in one picture because we don't have three kids. We have four kids. Yeah. We might not be here, but we have four. Um, some days whenever a stranger asks me, well, how many kids do you have? I don't always say four only because I'm not, in the mood to go into the whole story, you know. Um, Sure, sure, totally understand. But I know in my heart I have four. um, And I sometimes feel like if I say four and then I explain it, that I feel like people think I'm looking for sympathy, and I'm not. Mm -hmm. It's just I don't ever want anybody to think I'm forgetting my son because I'm not. Yeah. You know, but when I mention him, I'm not saying it for sympathy. I'm saying it because... It's the truth. I have yeah. a son, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, that, I've, you know, I've talked to several people. That is a hard, a very hard question to answer when you have children that you have lost. 
because um, of what you just said. You're not sure if you want to explain to that person what, and you don't really want their sympathy. That's it's it's a hard question to answer, and and I think just for the listeners, um, a good thing to remember. You know, whether you've lost a child or you know someone that has or or just, you know, are realizing that, oh, my gosh, I ask that of people all the time. Because it's a very common question to ask a woman. <laughs> yeah. You know, if she has a child, one with her or whatever, you you always ask, you know, how many children do you have? It just rolls off the tongue. And so... Yeah, that's a hard one, and I think just like you said, I don't think, and I've, this has been in other episodes, that you have to answer that. You choose how you want to answer that. You know, it's totally up to you. And, Some days uh, I just say four and walk away or, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. if I if I say three, I feel guilty, and, you know, it's like you said, it's very that's, difficult to answer. That's a hard one. That's a really hard one. So um, you indicated you have four. So um, you have Jackson in heaven. You have twin girls. And then there's another, and I know that was a surprise. So real quickly, <laughs> if you can share share about Ryan. <laughs> he was a big surprise. <laughs> um, yeah, after all we went through to get pregnant with the girls and Jackson, um, yeah, four and a half years later, we uh, welcomed our little guy um, <laughs> to all of our surprises, <laughs> except to my mom, <laughs> because uh, <laughs> apparently she was uh, praying for him and didn't tell any of us. <laughs> mm. uh, I just, I've only had acid reflux twice in my life. And it was when I was pregnant both times, <laughs> and wow. it it was horrible. And uh, I told Matt, I was like, if I didn't know any better, I would think I was pregnant. And we both laughed. <laughs> and then, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, we just thought it was so funny. And then all of a sudden, I had a nosebleed. And the only other time I had a nosebleed was when I was pregnant. And I had them the whole time I was pregnant with the girls mm. And I was like, if I didn't know any better, I would think I was pregnant because now I had a nosebleed. And we all laughed. I mean, it was like my whole family was over. It was on Easter, and we just laughed, you know. And finally, the acid reflux got so bad, I had to sit straight up while I was sleeping for like three nights in a row. Oh. And that was like. You take a lot of medication for your back that causes birth defects. And he's like, if you really think you're pregnant, you should take a pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I guess I should, but, you know, and we just kind of laughed again. <laughs> so I did, and it said that I was pregnant. And we're like, are you kidding me? Oh, my gosh. So my nurse from um, the reproductive endocrinology office, I uh, emailed her and I said, honey, I have a positive pregnancy test. And she calls me and she's like, what? 
Because <laughs> I have never seen a positive pregnancy test. Mine have all been blood tests, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's like, I'm going to send over blood work to the lab by you. And I'm going to send it over for stat. And I'm like, okay. And she calls me the next morning and she's like, you are either like weeks pregnant or there's more than one again. And I'm like, don't even go there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so she called me in for an ultrasound the next day. And she's like, should we tell Matt there's more than one in there? I'm like, are you wanting him to stroke? <laughs> but sure enough, there was one happy little healthy heartbeat in there. Oh, and he just turned eight a couple of weeks ago. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Which a little... was a complete and total surprise. <laughs> what a miracle. I mean, they're all miracles. But, yeah, I, that because of years of struggling of, with infertility and all that you went through, you know, with the girls in Jackson, and then what a surprise. Yeah, and he was full-time. Wow. <laughs> Wow, and no problem with with his pregnancy or anything. Well, at like 33 to 35 weeks, they detected the same thing wrong with his umbilical cord that made, Ooh. yeah, that made Jackson pass. And so we were like, just take him now. Yeah, just just take him. We don't care if he's in the NICU. We don't care. We can do that. Just yeah. we can't do we can't do a passing again. We just can't do it. Yeah, and so our ultrasound tech that we had our entire first pregnancy, she was like, it's not as bad as what Jackson's was, but it's the same thing, and but he's okay. But then I had to go like three times a week for the rest of my pregnancy. Okay. So they can wow. keep a super close eye on him. Yeah. But he made it to 38 weeks. So. Oh, good. Good. Yep. Good. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think it's going to be um, such an inspiration and give so many of the listeners hope that just like you, like sometimes don't take a no until God says no. You know, it's not a no and just keep going. But with, um, I would love for you to share if there's anything else that you would like to share with the listeners any words of encouragement, any advice? We've given quite a bit of advice along the way, but if there's anything um, else that you'd like to share, I would love to give you the opportunity to share some encouragement and some advice. Um, Just don't be afraid to ask someone who's been there for any kind Mm -hmm. of advice and a shoulder to cry on and, and just be willing to accept God's will for whatever he has for your for your life because it will happen the way it's supposed to happen and don't forget to pray yeah for sure for sure so yeah it was like you were ready to give up but you had you knew that if adoption was the what needed to you that you needed to do, that you were open to that as well. So I love that. So again, thank you for sharing your story with with the listeners to encourage them. Thanks again. Thank you for having me. Sure. 
Well, thank you, Robin, for sharing your story with us. You endured a lot, but like you said, you're a fixer. You were going to do everything in your power to make sure that you had that beautiful family you have now to love. I'm glad that you continued on your journey to, to fix what was going on, to solve the problem. It's amazing. I know you have given others who listen to this hope and encouragement, and it's so. Is there someone that you know that could be encouraged, that Robin would give them some hope, some advice? If so, please share this with them. That is the whole goal and mission, is to reach others that are struggling with infertility or loss. We want to support them in every way that we can. If you'd like to connect with me, head on over to Facebook. Look me up on Women Connect and Support. Connect with me there. I would love to connect with you and support you or anyone else that is struggling. I want you to know that you are not alone on this journey and we are here. We are a community of women and men that can give each other support through this very difficult time. I want you to share your story. It is so powerful. So many people's life can be changed by just hearing your story. We can help you. And we always know that sharing our story will always inspire others and give them hope on their journey.